Howdy strangers, Al Mirabella here, the host of High Strangeness, a podcast about beliefs and the people that believe them. This week on the show, I talked to Heidi Van Valkenburg, host of the UFO show on Twitch, about what else but UFOs and also, you know, a little bit about horror movies, a little bit about drugs, it's something I like to talk about, and uh, honestly, this one's going to go in the record books. This is one of the funnest discussions I've ever had with anybody about anything, and I think you're going to enjoy it, and that starts right now. Now, talk about the spreadsheet. Okay, so- it is it is it is so in depth. I could sit and I I would honestly I kind of want you to send me the spreadsheet sometime so that I can just like pour over it and just be so impressed by how many horror movies you've seen. Yeah, right. See, I I want it to actually be a tool that people would use, but obviously, after having made it, I'm like I'm the only one that would use this. Why <laughs> Why would I think that anybody else would use this like I would? Okay, so it's color coordinated. It's color coordinated. So it's a spreadsheet with all of the horror movies I've seen, and they're split up into categories of horror subgenres. So there's, I'm not going to go through every single one because there's probably about a hundred different subgenres that I've made, which is excessive. I don't even need that many. But anyways, you've got like gore, psychological thriller, survival, killer, slasher, monster, etc., ghost. Um, so I have those all color coded. And then I have the movies and, like, ticks on if they fit into those uh, subgenres. So you can kind of, like, it's really hard to explain without showing somebody. So point being of all this, I'm finally going back and, like, redoing it and making it a little bit more streamlined. Because even for me, it was like, this is a mess. This doesn't make sense when you look at it. So I'm trying to, like, streamline it a little bit. Um, with the intention of eventually letting people, like whoever, just look at it, releasing it into the wild. So yeah, I feel like Reddit would eat this thing up. Probably they'd probably have a lot of criticism about it because there's a lot of things on it that are just for me, <laughs> that are just like little categories that I would notice. But like I, in my like, it's so weird that there's a Macaulay Culkin category. Yeah, right. Like a category just for horror movies. I didn't know Macaulay Culkin was in so many horror so movies. So many. Uh, un- uncredited. Um, which is really sad. It's really tragic. Yeah, he's uh, he's our Boris Karloff. Yeah, he's like, right. he like plays everything. That's who does that, right? Boris Karloff? Uh, Am I wrong? Yeah, so he was like the OG guy. Um, more recently was... Um, what is his name? He's in every oh, single the guy. one of Guillermo del Toro's movies. He plays... Yeah, I can... The very tall, yes. lanky man. Yeah, he's definitely modern-day Boris Karloff, for sure. Someone's going to write in. Yeah, right. Remember, follow us at High Strangecast on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, write in and uh, critique this conversation. Just kidding. Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, you can message me directly, and I'll, I'll dox you. If you want to do that, that'll be fine. Um, yeah, Heidi's aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to horror movies. That's the other reason why I haven't let it out into the wild either. Is just because like I don't really care if people are like, "Hey, you're wrong about this," but it's like I have spent so much time doing this. I okay, so I started the spreadsheet in 2015, 16, and it's just like grown into this fucking monster. So when I if I release it and someone's like has an actual valid point about something stupid I did on it, I'm I'm probably going to have a meltdown a little bit, <laughs> which is not what you should do, of course. You should take it all in stride, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hey, can I ask you, have you been watching a lot of horror movies in, you know, since Kulu started? I've been trying to. Um, I've been trying it's to... It's not a good horror time to it's me. It's really not at all. I've been trying to catch up on the ones that I missed in 2019 because a lot of 2019 for me was prepping to move back out here, so I really didn't have, like, a lot of time to watch more horror movies. But, yeah, I've been trying to get caught up. I actually watched Crawl, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Because, obviously, any kind of, like, animal horror movie where they're turning a normal animal into a monster... <laughs> Is uh, do you know about Crawl? I guess I should explain that. Yeah, okay. I actually i I went and watched Crawl like a ha ha. Isn't this going to be a funny movie to watch? Yeah. And I was like, I mean, it was not the best horror movie of twenty nineteen. Well, sure. But I watched. It, I was like, damn, that's a that is a unique twist on the subgenres that it tackles. Yeah, I thought so. It was. It, I thought it was going to be like Anaconda, where it was just total schlock. But 
Uh, yeah, I mean, and especially... It was super claustrophobic. It was it like, was. I feel like that was the real villain was the claustrophobia. Yeah, I mean... And the friends we made along the way. Yeah, of course. Oh, how fun. Uh, I mean, Sam Raimi produced it. So the second I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be insane. This is going to be like an insane movie. But it, it, I don't know that you could really tell. It didn't have like too much Sam Raimi vibes going on in it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've been trying to watch... Really just, like, play catch-up. I watched Color Out of Space. That was good. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was... That was some, like... That was... I like... I think Nicolas Cage is a very good actor. Yes. Um, I know that some people think that he's just silly. It is unquestionable that he is actually good in something. Yes. But I'm not a Nick Cage in a bad movie fan. But for some reason, the combination of, like, overacting, cheesy Nick Cage in lovecraftian horror oh just God. like really works for me there's something very existential about him like sitting in his car and yelling cocksucker over and yes, over again yes. like it just totally works to me i love it i lo- see and i went into that movie thinking it was just going to be a knockoff of mandy because that's what the poster looked like and that's what the trailer looked like i didn't actually know it was a lovecraft horror which is some of my favorite even though they're oftentimes some of the most poorly made horror movies and just like yeah it silly. doesn't particularly translate well over into film yeah it really doesn't uh people try because it's it's classic but uh yeah i got excited when i realized like the second um once his face walks up with a miskatonic university shirt i was like oh, okay hell yeah i'm in i'm all the way in this is amazing gretel and hansel was okay uh i don't know that one like got no publicity whatsoever invisible man was all right i don't know it's a lot of movies this year and last year that were just like yeah okay Yeah, I think that we horror is a genre that to me, it seems like it goes through more frequent waves than other genres, where like, one year we'll get like, several it follows Jordan Peele quality like art house horror movies. And then the next year, it will just be like, indie B movies that may or may not be good, but are watched because people have a shutter subscription and don't know what else to look at. (laughs) Yeah, which was is mostly my problem. Um, yeah, I agree. It definitely goes in waves. Um, last year, at least we had, we had Parasite, we had The Lighthouse, we had Midsummer. I mean, those were like, so fucking good. Did Midsummer come out last year? Or was it in 2018? Uh, pretty sure it was last year. I believe you. I watched it for the first time somewhat recently. Okay. I will say this. I watched it with my girlfriend and she had already seen it. (laughs) And I'm a person who for better or worse, obnoxiously likes to talk about psychedelics. Yeah, okay. And she was like, you know, but I'm also, I'm more, I'm more likely to be friends with somebody who does not do psychedelics than I am to be friends with someone who is just because I'm not a wook. Yeah, sure. But (laughs) she was like, oh, I could never do anything like that. That sounds super terrifying. I would never do that. And to me, it just doesn't even sound particularly scary. What Um, was she afraid of specifically taking drugs? She was afraid of, or yeah, okay, yeah. And I understand, I'm not trying to make anybody take drugs, it doesn't bother me if she doesn't, right. but whenever she watched uh, Midsummer with me, I can 100% understand if, why someone who has never taken mushrooms would watch Midsummer and say, I will never ever do that ever in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. It totally made sense. In fact, I even like, after I watched Midsummer, I more clearly understood why some people were scared of the stigma behind taking magic mushrooms. Yeah. Right. But there were some things that happened in Midsummer that were astoundingly correct to the feeling of taking magic mushrooms that I've never seen any movie get right before. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. I you know, like whenever more. whenever she like sees her foot on the ground yeah. and like her foot is the ground, mm-hmm. you're like, that is absolutely a thing that happens. Right. Like even even that like feel it feels like that. And it doesn't feel like that's a thing you're looking at. That's just it feels like reality to you. Right. Well what I loved about that movie is he obviously took Ari Aster took so much time in making sure that that feeling was accurate and that those visuals were accurate and that they didn't look cheesy. They didn't look like it wasn't, I don't know. It was, it was something that was important to him to display correctly to get that feeling right of uneasiness, you know? Uh, But it wasn't a focus of the movie. I feel like a lot of times that people try to do psychedelic movies, like that is the main focus where they're trying to be like, Oh, they took acid in LA. It starts to become exploitive. No one who has ever made a psychedelic movie has ever taken acid. 
Like, that's just how I feel. Like, whenever someone, you know, yeah. like, do you know that scene in Harold and Kumar where, like, they see, I don't even know, I think this is a weed thing in there, but even if it is a psychedelics thing, where, like, they see Neil Patrick Harris on a unicorn, you're like, no one has ever seen that on any drug. <laughs> yeah, right. I will take it right now, hand it to me. <laughs> right. It's never happened. Yeah. But do you, so do you feel that way, though, about Midsummer? Do you think that Ari Aster has never done a hallucinogen? I think that more than any movie that I've ever seen, it feels very grounded in the reality of the experience. Yeah, totally. But it's also a horror movie. Like, just because you take mushrooms does not mean you're going to have a horrible experience. Maybe if you take them on like a, you know, a a murder convent or something, sure. that's likely that you will have a bad experience. Sure. But I wouldn't even strictly say that the like the vibe of Midsummer is not that these psychedelics that these people were taking was a negative experience for them. Totally. You know, like you're not going to psychedelics are not going to want to make you eat somebody. But if you want to eat somebody and you take psychedelics, you will probably consider it a little bit more. Yeah, totally. Well, I think I think he portrayed that correctly, though. You know, it wasn't like yeah. a lot of people like to compare that movie to The Wicker Man. Which, mm -hmm. in my opinion, yeah, there are definitely similarities, of course, with it being a killer cult, right? But the main differences being a lot of that movie just focuses on straight up, like, anti-hippie dogma. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, sure, part of the focus of Midsummer is definitely like, yeah, it's a killer cult or whatever. But, like, there is a separation there that I think is distinct and that these kids and even the protagonist has done psychedelics before. And it's not like something that I don't know. It's not like, Oh, drugs are bad. And that's why they're killing people. I don't know. I love it. I love that movie. I think it. Well, Heidi, great. one, one last note on, um, on your horror expertise. <laughs> yeah, sure. If you could recommend one movie for people to watch in quarantine. Oh God. That's so hard. I mean, I'm just going to pick my favorite, which is John Carpenter's the thing. If you haven't seen that, go watch that. And also, what a great quarantine movie because they're stuck, they're stuck somewhere in isolation, you know. So hey, that's fun. Isn't that fun <laughs> for everybody? Uh, but yeah, I'd say uh, if I'm gonna suggest any movie, it's definitely that one. Before we get started in anything else, I actually want you to help me because i think that if anyone can tell me this movie you can okay i watched this horror movie like probably over 10 but less than 15 years ago okay and i don't remember what it was called and i don't have a lot of details about it lay it on me what do you think what do you remember okay i think it may be like a louisiana ish like these people go to this small town okay and I believe there it is an exorcism may be involved in it, but this little girl that these people are saying might be possessed or haunted or something, mm -hmm. it, at the end of the movie, it turns out that they're in some sort of like satanic cult and they sacrifice the little girl when she gets her first period. And that's all I remember about it. Okay, how old? Okay, so she's like young-er. Or is the... Yeah. Okay, shit. I... There's one... Is it a found footage movie? No, it's not. And it's okay. probably, it's probably, I would say, was made in the early 2000s or late 90s. Okay, okay. See, that's the kind of time period of horror that I need to really catch up on. Because honestly, until recently, I've hated that era of horror. Like, It's a bad era <laughs> really compared to the others. Yeah. I mean, it's... if you have an appreciation for it, it's different. Or if you like... Joss Whedon, or if you like Wes Craven, like later Wes Craven, and it's, or even Wes Craven in general, actually, um, you know, then you probably are already kind of versed in all of those. But yeah, it's taken me a while to kind of like, I don't know, enjoy them, I guess. How popular was it? Was it like a big movie? No, it wasn't. Okay. And it was, I remember like me and my dad went and watched it when it was still the rave. Yeah. And. Maybe it was a little bit later, 2000s then. I don't think it was found footage. I remember there was an, there was an adult man who, you know, surprising movie with an adult man. Yeah. Who, like, there was, like, a weird, mildly steamy sex scene in it. And I remember being uncomfortable watching it with my dad. Sure. But I definitely remember the twist at the end of the movie. And my favorite subgenre of horror, and I don't know that there's a name for this, is 
at the end of the movie, it was the town that was the bad guy. Okay. Uh, like that is, and I know that Midsummer even kind of fits into that as well. Sure. Was it the reaping? But you don't know that. It, when it's a twist, what is it? The, the what? The reaping. Let me look it up. Okay. I'm Googling it. Because, let me see. And all of this is not going in the podcast. I just <laughs> yeah, want to know. No I, as, when we started talking, I was like, this is it. I'm positive. <laughs> Wait, this movie? This is it. Is it? Yay. Yes. Yes. So this is one that I've been meaning to watch. And I think it's actually, because this is from 2007. Um, the one with Hillary Swank. Is that that has to be the one, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I've Rotten Tomatoes I've... has has given it an eight <laughs> percent. Yeah, that sounds right. Here's the thing. Can I tell you? I remember <laughs> really enjoying this movie, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I liked a lot of really bad horror movies when I was younger too. It's it's uh, I don't know. Like, I still really like Signs, even though it's not a good movie, <laughs> like at all. Um. I feel like this is a remake, though. I feel like maybe it's not. Maybe this is original. I am. It doesn't say that it's a remake yeah, on I the Wikipedia, was. but I also this might be. I this could just be very tread ground. Yeah, there's that too. But I mean, honestly, I don't know. I want to watch this now because you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of southern horror. You see the typical like woodsman horror or like the hills of eyes desert guy you know what i mean but you don't see a lot of like i don't know at least i haven't like southern town kind of stuff like this i would be interested in a podcast it was just people talking about the accuracy of southern horror movies oh my God. that would be interesting to i would me. love it yeah yeah because usually it people making them are people that did not live in the south at all um it's interesting all right i'm putting it on the list some people's viewpoints or things that have happened to their to them in their lives have led them a certain way like if i didn't uh see a ufo for myself i don't know how much i would be going down this rabbit hole for the rest of my life you know whoa, whoa hold on what have you seen a ufo yes yes please talk to me <laughs> i it was in milton actually i'm surprised i haven't told you this I've, that's where they are I've, that's fucking where they yes. are they're in gulf breeze in milton yep. they're in that area yep, yep, yep. well okay have you seen a UFO there before? Because obviously we're from the same area-ish. I have seen an unidentified flying object on the beach before the Three Mile Bridge going okay. to Pensacola Beach. Okay, that's cool. So when I was a kid, I didn't know about the Gulf Breeze incident, right? Like the, you know, Ed Walters and can his you wife. Give, before we get into it, can you give a brief summary of that? Yeah, sure. So back in, I think it was 88, was it 88 or 89, Ed Walters um, and his wife witnessed a ufo outside of their house and what he says is a failed abduction um and then went on from that point so he took a polaroid picture of it um and he you know ended up getting a lot of traction with the ufo community he ended up having 20 more sightings in the same area in gulf breeze and there's a bunch of pictures online of it um and he has a book on it that he actually wrote with his wife about his experiences and he says he was actually abducted on different times um by grays gray aliens and yeah i mean it's something that he it, it really affected him but he's been accused of uh hoaxing the whole thing um a lot of people have debunked his case because of <laughs> they found a model of a ufo like a, like he was taking pictures with right in his as if anyone who saw a ufo would not be more interested in ufos yeah right. i would i would own every model of a UFO. right exactly but see here's the thing where it gets weird with that is they allegedly found that in his attic after he moved out so he wasn't even there i don't know it's one of those things where you can make an argument either way you can say like somebody put it there trying to disprove him or say it was a hoax or he actually was dumb enough to leave the model that he used in the attic. Like, I don't know. That seems kind of excessive. He, it's one of those situations where, like, people who like to go down the middle of it say, you know, he probably did actually have some experiences, but he probably faked some of the footage, too. Because, like, 
you know, you, you want people, you want to bring attention to this thing that is happening to you because you can't explain it, but maybe you can't take a picture all the time, right? So there's a lot of people yeah, that and, say he and did Gulf that. And Gulf Breeze is such a UFO hotspot. Like people, yeah. definitely, I know many people who have experiences out there. Now I will say the experience I had, um, I was really young and I saw, I don't even, whenever someone says, have you had a UFO sighting? I, I wouldn't necessarily say yes, mm-hmm. but if they specifically bring up Gulf Breeze, I will bring up this thing that happened to me in Gulf Breeze. It's actually similar to the footage that has been released recently and that I saw something that was like changing directions more rapidly than it should have been able to change directions, right. pointing up to it and being like, how is that thing doing that up in the sky? Being young enough to like not even recognize it as being like, I was just thinking, what is this weird plane in the sky? Not that I didn't know about UFOs at the time, but I didn't know that. I mean, I, w- I was honestly too rational as a child. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not like a UFO. It. I don't believe in UFOs. <laughs> but as I as I got older, I like had to try and integrate that experience and say maybe that was something so i'm i would say i'm sort of down the middle about it i definitely it was definitely a ufo in the sense that it was not a standard military vehicle sure but there is also to you have to give credit to the people who say well gulf breeze florida is very close to eglin air force base which is where a lot of that's a where a lot of military it's a things huge are tested. base like not only is yeah, it a huge a lot base of, but they the first testing of what they called the Moab bomb was done there, which they used to, you know, back during Bush's Iraq war, they were testing it out there all of the time, you know? Um, so you've got that going on and then you've got three Naval air stations that surround it on the other side. So it's just completely surrounded by military bases. Completely. Yeah. Specifically flight military yes. bases. Yes. Right, which is odd because you would think it being on the water, there'd be more just naval vessels and stuff that you would see. But I mean, like it's home of the Blue Angels, so you have those jets flying all the time. Um, yeah, it's a very heavy f- military craft area, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I, I feel like I feel like I derailed a little. I'm really interested in knowing the specifics of your UFO encounter. Sure. So I think like. I don't know. I, I did want to add one thing to what you said where you you think you saw a UFO, but in the sense that you just didn't know what it was, but it didn't behave like any aircraft you've seen. That is still technically a UFO. They just call it, it, it's not a close encounter of a UFO, right? They call it either a daylight disc or nocturnal lights or, or something that you see that doesn't make sense, right? But it's still, mm-hmm. I don't know. I always get caught up on that because whenever I, if I do tell people that I've seen a UFO... I feel like I have to be like, I'm not crazy <laughs> and be like, I'm I'm not saying it's aliens. You know what I mean? Like I, it's so often it's grouped in with that. And I don't think it is. I think is. that whether or not a UFO is aliens, that does not affect that it is a very interesting thing to see. Sure. Absolutely. But I, you know, people are just quick to write you off. I think less, they're less quickly to write you off now versus, I mean, even like a decade ago or five years ago, right? Because you have the Pentagon officially releasing videos like we've seen. So I don't know. It's becoming less of a taboo subject, but yeah. Also science has generally agreed that there are, there is, it is statistically more likely than not that there is extraterrestrial life. And honestly, probably likely even extraterrestrial life in our own solar system. Right. Um, If you move outside of our solar system, it is almost, it is just phenomenally unlikely that there is not, some form of life whether or not it's intelligent sure. is up for debate but sure that also that makes you question like what is intelligence right i am personally of the belief that given enough time and resources we will eventually evolve past our current dimension of thought mm-hmm. if people think that aliens have had enough time in the universe to develop interstellar travel then who's to say they have not had enough time in the universe to move further into the dimensions of reality than we have. Well, a lot of people do speculate, too, that what people think are aliens are actually extra-dimensional beings, too. So, I mean, that kind of definitely ties in with that, where it's like, yeah, are they aliens from another planet, or is it just another being from another dimension, or are they one and the same? Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of people have a lot of different definitions of high strangeness, but when I think of high strangeness, the thing that I'm specifically referring to is the idea that there are things that no matter how much information we are given, we can't perceive or explain because it is outside of our own realm of thought. 
outside of our dimension of thought. Sure. Whenever someone says, you know, I'll use this as an example, I think that the odds of UFOs being out there in our own galaxy and solar system are a lot more likely than the existence of Bigfoot in the way that we believe in Bigfoot right now. Yeah. But there's also a part of me that thinks like Bigfoot could have been a tulpa who was conjured into reality by the sheer amount of willpower and force that the Bigfoot believers have around it. Like that could bring it into this dimension. And if it does, then somebody who doesn't believe it is not going to have the ability to use their willpower to conjure him anywhere near them so that you're never going to prove speculators wrong or right in that instance right totally yeah i mean because if somebody fully believes something especially if they see it they think they see it it's real to them regardless so there there's a reality to it and how is your reality any different like all we have is right now and the moment we currently live in so if i saw a bigfoot yeah and that bigfoot was real in that moment to me how is that any different than seeing a something that looks like a Bigfoot and it not being a Bigfoot down the line. That Bigfoot existed in that moment in that person's reality, and that person's reality is shaped by that. And they are therefore, they're forever more likely to side on believing in Bigfoot or believing in the unknown altogether. Absolutely. I, yeah, I 100% subscribe to that idea. I mean, it's like if a tree falls in the wood and nobody sees it, did it fall? Outside of UFOs, do you have any other yeah. interesting beliefs? Yeah, I mean... Yes and no. Nothing like, nothing that I would consider crazy, but I mean, I guess that's once again relative, but yeah, like I don't subscribe to like pandemic or conspiracy theories like that, right? Uh, Do you think that George W. Bush planned 9-11? Okay, I'm a little hung up on that one. I don't think he was smart enough to do something like that. I do, though, think that his administration was smart enough to do something like that, especially Dick Cheney. I think Dick, oh, Dick sure. Cheney is more than capable of masterminding something like that. I don't know. The jury's still out for me on that one. But if I'm going to blame anybody, it's going to be Cheney, not Bush. Not that he isn't culpable, I guess. But uh, Cheney is so much more evil than him. I mean, yeah, to can me. Can I tell you? Uh, yeah. I want to tell you that last night, my niece was over at my house. And... Uh, she was taking my dad a bowl of ice cream and he was sitting in the living room. So I told her to take him the bowl of ice cream and I handed her the bowl. I said, Hey, go tell Papa John, hand this to him and say, Dick Cheney made money off of the Iraq war. <laughs> and I made her practice it with me so that she could say it. She's three years old. She said, Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq war. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I, I, I sat at a corner and I handed it to her and she said, I have something to whisper to you. And he said, okay. And he like took his like headphones off. And she was like, Dick Cheney made money off of DIY war. And then he like turned around because he was just certain that I was there somewhere. Sure. It's like, yes, I am teaching her. I'm teaching her young. Yeah, that's good. Is your is your dad somebody that believes that or, or did he get annoyed? Um, I No, my dad is um, a liberal in the way that a 73 year old person can oh, be a liberal. Absolutely. Okay. He's not fiery. If I tell him that Dick Cheney made money off the Iraq war, my dad is like, yeah, Dick Cheney probably did make money off the Iraq war. Right. My dad is definitely not a fan of Dick Cheney. Sure. But he's also maybe... He's 73. <laughs> like... Yeah, he's he's he is probably... My dad is the kind of person who's like, well, someone's going to make money off it. Like, that's his Right, thing. right, right. Got it. Yeah. Are you a shadow government person? Do you believe in a shadow government? I've gone back and forth. Honestly, I'm starting to believe in it again more just because I've done so much. I've gone down so many rabbit holes for the UFO show that I'm doing that I'm like, there's no way there's not. But at the same time, like the skeptical side of me is like, how would we pull that off? Like that's it's it's the the skeptical side of me has to keep reminding myself that it's easier to believe in something like that because that means that there is a plan that somebody has a plan. But that's that doesn't I don't know that doesn't mean it's true, you know. That could just be me wishing that somebody has a plan out there subconsciously, you know. Yeah, my only thought enemy is Occam's razor, and I know that technically there are so many things would have to be true for there to be a shadow government. Yeah. But once again, when it comes to belief and like why we believe things and how belief shapes us. Like, I want there to be a shadow government because I don't want to believe that what we have seen happen in our country and the world in the last 10 years or whatever, like, I don't want to believe that that is 
the 99% of people on the planet have made it this way. I want to believe that there's one very evil percent of people that have made it that way. Right, right. Yeah, I could I could subscribe to that for sure. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other stuff that I believe in. I mean, I believe in ghost experiences, whether I believe it's people that are undead or just energy or whatever. Oh, absolutely. Why, like, what, what is to say that a ghost is not similar in composition to a gray? Right, totally. Right? Well, and a lot of people believe that. A lot of people believe that they're one and the same, that there's crossover there, or that what we traditionally think of as demons are actually grays. Or, I mean, and there's a lot of crossover there, too, with, like, people who have um, sleep paralysis or night terrors, and how initially that was right off that's how people would write off alien abduction stories. They'd say, oh, you just had a bad sleep paralysis or sleep terror or something like that. But there is a lot of crossover there that compares then greys or aliens in an abduction scenario to a demon that's sitting on your chest. Yeah, so much stuff is, once again, referencing high strangeness. It's just out of our particular realm of understanding. Right. And that can honestly, I know why a lot of people don't want to believe in stuff like that is because it makes some things like way more scarier. Sure. Like, let me give you an example. I, about a year ago, started having, for the first time in my life, I don't want to say paranormal, but you know, like, um, I'm going to say metaphysical dreams. Okay. Like I did not have dreams beforehand where things that shattered my reality took place. Like my bad dreams used to be like, I'm 17 years old again, but for some reason I'm trapped in my elementary school and I'm supposed to be at my mom's house by X, Y, Z time, because if I'm not, I'm going to get in trouble for something and then all of a sudden I'm not wearing my underwear. Like that was my dream logic. Right. And I never had I never had dreams that were outside of the realm of reality as far as like the beings or the things that were happening inside of the dream. Mm-hmm. I started having somewhat metaphysical dreams in the sense that like I had a couple of like dreams where I woke up out of a simulation. Like oh, those were so weird. <laughs> Yeah, and it is the most, man, that is the fucking, that is the most existential, terrifying dream you could have. I would rather have any other dream than waking out of a simulation dream. Right. And I think beforehand, I was like, I would have taken the red pill, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the one, right? That's the uh, one where you see stuff. I think so. Is it the blue pill? Oh, God. I would take the, I would take the one that Keanu Reeves took. I would have taken it. Up until I had that first dream. Oh, yeah. And after having that first dream, like, no, I would much rather just live in this reality. But ever since we've been in quarantine and since I've been back in Florida, I've had the most vivid dreams I've had in my entire life. And they're all like that. Like, I had this dream. It was making me scared to go to bed at night. Like, I I had a dream that I woke up from a simulation someone had woken me up and everybody that I knew was there. And we were being led by a race of sentient lizard people into a coliseum to fight to the death because they were using us for like their entertainment but they got tired of having us inside these like chambers and they wanted it to be a lot more direct so they were putting people in a coliseum to have them fight or whatever what the fuck that is a scary dream but the scary thing was it was the scariest dream the most realistic dream that i've ever had and i was like this has got to be a dream and i tried so hard to wake myself up from the dream but I just couldn't wake myself up from it. That's terrifying. And then this really interesting thing happened during it. When I finally was able to like rip myself out of the dream, I had the same feeling that happens on like a really high dose of acid okay. where like you like you feel like the Velcro of yourself rip apart. Yeah. And I like you like rip into another dimension and I ripped back into my reality and I could feel the Velcro trying to close on me. And I started like like falling back into it. But like by sheer force of will, I was able to like push myself out of my bed, use like mindfulness meditation to like bring myself into the room that I was in. This was at like three in the morning and I just sat on my chair in my living room for the rest of the night. I hate that. I hate that so much. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Uh, Was it a reoccurring dream? I had dreams like that and in that same vein, though not exactly the same. And look, I don't literally think that that was a thing that happened to me, but- There is a part of me that thinks there are things that my brain can't comprehend and process, and we don't know what happens when we dream. What is to say that there was not some other version of my reality that was like rubbing up against mine in that moment? Right. Yeah. You know, because we're clearly at like a, we're at like a crux and a turning point within our culture. Everybody, like the entire 
universal psyche is changing right now. Yeah. The larger being that we all inhabit is doing something and is like making like a 90 degree turn in another direction to adjust the parameters of the world in the wake of COVID-19 or kawoo as I call it. <laughs> sure. Do you then subscribe, I'm assuming you do, to a collective unconscious? Yeah, okay. I um, I follow like the Eastern tradition of thinking that we are the universe experiencing itself, which is okay. not my thought. That is philosopher, spiritual entertainer, Alan Watts. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that every one of us is an aperture like looking into our own reality. Yeah, okay. So Sure. And and we are that like I think that when we die we are that we just return to the source of that energy and we just pop out into another one after a period of time probably. But that's all speculation. Well sure. Have you heard of or how much would that relate to the holographic universe theory to you? Or have you talk to me about it. I I don't know about the holographic universe. Okay. I mean it's very to me at this point, I think it's a little bit more of like a dated term because I think people now are just kind of refer to it as a collective unconscious, but the idea with the holographic universe. So the way that holograms work is you can take any part of a hologram and shine light through it or however holograms work, however they're displayed, right? Pretty sure it's mm-hmm. like a prism where you shine light through, but you can take any part of that hologram and it will replicate the full image. So you don't need the full image of a hologram to get the image that you're trying to display, right? You can just take a part of it and it will display the same image. I hope I'm explaining that right. <laughs> I like, want to Google it to make sure. But that is the, that's kind of the idea behind it, right? Every single part is representative of the whole. Yeah, that is definitely similar to the the thing that I think. I also like, I will say that it is almost pointless to talk about reality because of how subjective I think that reality is. Yeah. I am a firm believer. Uh, I don't know, firm believer. I'm not a firm believer in anything. I'm welcome. I'm open to having my, my mind changed about anything. When I think about belief and whenever I think about the things that I, I feel to be 100% true, the only thing that I believe to be 100% true are the things that I can see and feel and hear and interact with in the room that I'm in. Like, as far as I'm concerned, the other side of the world does not literally exist. Like, I'm I'm projecting my reality into this consciousness that I am occupying, this meat space. Yeah. I think that this is a simulation in the sense that I am simulating all of the things that are around me via a series of data points shooting into my eyes yeah telling my brain what you're what to show me right yeah right and what are what is to say that those data points that i can see and feel and touch are any more real than i'm gonna go back to it like when somebody sees bigfoot you know right totally like it's no more or less real than that in that instance yeah i uh i agree really quick another term now for holographic principle or a tenet of that is string theory so they're very they're very similar they're very related I don't mean to backtrack too much, but to once again talk about like like your own personal reality and like a turning point for me and like what I personally believe because I know what I saw and I know how clear it was was when I saw a UFO and how much that changed kind of what I believe in. <laughs> Just like in general. Because mm-hmm. like like we've said before, growing up in Gulf Breeze, so I've already seen military craft and stuff like that. But it was never anything defining. It was it was stuff like you were saying, where it's like, well, it, I don't know what that is, but, I, you know, that doesn't mean that it's a UFO or that it's it's extraterrestrial or anything. It was just a weird thing I saw in the sky, right? That's very far away. That's something that, like, you can't even see the, the craft. You see a light at night. That doesn't make sense, right? However, one time, me and my friends went to Blackwater River in Milton, and it was the middle of the day. I say middle. It was probably like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. Um, in September. So it was like a clear day. It wasn't raining. It wasn't cloudy. And we were going to actually camp on the river. So I know you know what I'm talking about, but oh yeah, the road that Blackwater River is the place to get fucked up in Pensacola, yeah. Florida, by the way. Well, or like, yeah, if you want to quote unquote go camping or get out of town a little bit, like you want to feel like you're in nature, but you don't actually want to like drive a long ways, you just go to the river. You just go to Milton. So yeah, we were going to go do that because once again, it's off season. It was September. And I think we went in like the middle of the week, so we knew nobody was going to be there. However, because it is the place to go, we were like, well, let's park farther back on this dirt road because technically the road that we were on is um, owned by a canoe company that 
you can rent canoes and tubes from, right? So we don't want to get our car towed. So we parked farther back on the road. And uh, as we're walking down this dirt road to the river, we're chatting. We look up and right above the tree line, maybe 50 feet above the tree line, is the most classic flying saucer you could ever imagine. I mean, it's silver. It was probably... Yeah, dude. It couldn't have been much bigger than, like, a large tank. It really was not that big. And it wasn't that tall. You know, it's flat. But it, it had the typical, like, convex, you know, center. So, like, like a typical flying saucer. Like, literally one that you would just see on a sci-fi novel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we see it. Like I said, it's the middle of the day. You can see it clear. It's not, like... It's almost directly above us, so whenever we first saw it, we actually couldn't see the top of it until it started to fly away, but um, we look up and we're like, just, we're so dumbfounded that we just start laughing, because we can't process what we're seeing. (laughs) Just insane. It's insane to see. It's like somebody's playing a joke on you. I think dumbfounded is totally the right word, and whenever I had my experience... I feel the same way about it. It is a thing. And I I think that it's possibly alien technology in the sense that you can't do anything to verify what is happening in the situation because you are just completely taken aback by it. Right. Yeah. You you don't know. And thank God I was with other people because if I was by myself, I would have had the same feeling, but I probably would have panicked because uh, it's kind of more terrifying if you don't have something. But because I was with my friends, I felt like, oh, well, we're not in danger. I don't know why. I don't know why that helps, but to have your buddies there, like, all experiencing looking at this thing and laughing and not understanding what it is you're seeing. It happened so quick. We had enough time to look at each other and say, what the fuck do you see that? A few times and look back at it. And in that small amount of time, it's my opinion that whatever was piloting it realized that we were there. And decided to fuck off. So it slowly Mm -hmm. started to go towards the river. So once again, we're walking towards the river on this road. It starts to head towards the river where we were walking. And then in an instant, it's fucking gone. It's just across the river and beyond the trees. We can't see it. It didn't make a noise the entire time. Even when it was almost above us, you couldn't hear anything. I mean, if if it wasn't daytime, you would never know it was there. Period. That was fucking crazy, honestly. And I I think that whenever you have group experiences like that, it is... I don't even want to say that it feels more valid because I don't think a one person's experience is any less valid just because other people didn't see it. Sure. But it reinforces this, like, what I think is possibly, like, part of an explanation for why we don't have more proof of things like this. Nobody in that group decided to pull out their phone and take a picture of it because something is jamming your brain and fucking telling you not to. That's how I feel about it. Can I tell you how many times I've thought about that? Sorry, I've just... that. No, no, no. It's your talk. Tell me. Yeah, it's just crazy, right? Yeah. And like when you see somebody does take a photo of something, you know, say like the Gulf Breeze incident, like the amount of force of will you must have (laughs) to be able to resist the urge to not take a picture of it. Right. Like that seems like definitely part of an explanation why some people would be able to gather some sort of evidence. But normally that evidence is very far away, right? Because in my mind that that technology probably has some sort of like range before it starts to, uh, you know, dissipate and starts to become less effective. And that's why we don't have any up close and personal, like firsthand evidence. Right. Well, and so this too was in, this was in 2010. And I know, so it was a decade ago. It's, it wasn't quite the all-encapsulating internet community that we have now. Like, I don't even think I had Instagram back then. I think I had, like, just gotten Facebook. I wasn't thinking, like, oh, shit, I need to post this to my story. It was just, like, was yeah. not a thought that I was having. Sure, like, taking a picture was something, like, even just after it happened, I was like, fuck, I didn't get a picture. But it, it's not... I don't know. It's hard to explain that, like, now, anytime I see any animal, I almost immediately pull out my phone because I want to record it or take a picture. And that's just like things I already know about. I mean, I feel like it's a slightly different mentality now. So it's hard to understand when people don't record things. (laughs) Can I tell you something that I actually was just thinking about? I think that this is uh, probably if there was some way to get this statistic, obviously, we kind of all got pocket cameras at almost the exact same time, right? I wonder if the instances of like people taking photos or videos 
in that situation bumped up in any way and then dissipated again whenever like if if some sort of sentient technology realized that that was happening and realized they were trying to mitigate that response and could even have beefed up their technology in that amount of time like who's to say they were like oh yeah we got to we got to put a couple more fleeb floobs in the uh <laughs> in the distracto ray from now on because all these little apes all of a sudden have a bunch of cameras and we don't want them finding out about us. Well, here's the other thing too. That is one that is one belief, right? That it is alien and that, oh, well, they have the technology to fly in a craft that makes no noise, that can hover, and that can take off at speeds that we can't do currently. However, the military could do that too. The military easily could have technology that we don't know about. I was just, I went on a rabbit hole last night about RFIDs. Do you know what those are? Tell me about it. They're like they're implants that you can put in your hand so that you can unlock your Tesla or your phone because you have a personal barcode or ID in your hand so that you can just like automatically do things. They look exactly like implants that Roger Lear took out of people back in the um, 90s, mid 90s to late 90s. And there's things that you can get now. The first one was implanted in a human in 98, but it wasn't available to the public to use as an ID system until like sometime in the 2000s. But people have reported pulling implants out of their skin early 90s and before. I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I There's a lot of people, of course, that say like the military, of course, has all this technology that they don't even let the public know about until they've used it or until other countries have found out about it. That links right back into the idea that like the government if they did have access to alien technology, why they would want to cover it up is because they do want to exploit that technology for their own gain. When we see a declassified video, in my mind, that's just telling us like, uh, yeah, well, this is declassified because there is nothing that anyone could get out of this video that we haven't already gotten and that the entire yep. world hasn't already gotten. Yep, absolutely agree. There was some documents that I... Uh, I saw online. I don't I can't speak to their validity, but they were going around for a while about basically hummingbird-sized drones that could record images and videos from a distance in like the early 2000s. It's like, "Oh, it's crazy. They had that in 2001." And then you're like, "Okay, but what do they have in 2020 if that's the thing they have now?" Like we we know what military drones are now. But like, what is a military drone going to look like in 20 years? And who's to say that that technology is not already being used right now? I think you can assuredly say they have stuff that we won't know about for 20 years. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. that's just the way that the world works to me. Whenever that, ha whenever I saw that flying saucer or UFO or whatever. So if you go and look on a map in Milton, the area that I saw it is directly across from the Whitingfield Naval Air Base. That is, I mean, it's right next to it, but it's on the other, it was behind us, right? So if you're facing the river, it's behind you. And that thing went across the river in the opposite direction of the naval base, naval air base. The next morning, so we were there to camp, right? Uh, we camped. We actually ended up taking a bunch of acid <laughs> and staying up all night. And like, I thought I saw something weird in the woods. This that... does not affect the validity well, of no. the situation. It definitely doesn't. I'm, I'm saying that to my listeners. Okay. <laughs> That's not what drugs do to you. Well, it's not. Go on. Regardless, it was after the fact. Yeah. It was, I mean, we got there at 2 p.m. and we didn't, take acid until oh god i don't know like 9 p.m 8 p.m something like that wait this is the same situation on blackwater river yeah same same day same. i would i would not i would not have taken acid i know that. listen that set and setting i would not have. <laughs> i was 20 years old i did not give a shit i was with I, so i was only there with two people whenever we showed up because we were going there to kind of scope the area to make sure people weren't there so that we could have a safe trip right and then our the rest of our buddies maybe like i don't know like five to seven people showed up after the fact um, yeah, it was a weird night for sure. I thought that I saw something in the woods watching me pee that looked like a being, like a creature that I can't, listen, this is why I don't bring up this part usually because I can't say that wasn't just me tripping. Was it incredibly mm -hmm. terrifying and did it actually feel like something was there? Absolutely. I mean, and I ran away with my pants, like not totally buttoned. <laughs> Heidi, do you have anything to promote? Yeah, I mean, right now, not too much, but I have been, um, I started doing the UFO show on Twitch. 
where we talk every. What's that URL? Hit me with that URL, it's dog. It's twitch.tv slash hot underscore mom underscore. Has nothing to do with the title of the show, <laughs> which Hell yeah. I might change eventually. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're not a mom, I don't think. Uh, I'm a, so I I'm don't a think that was. Spider mom, cat mom. That counts. It's fine. Hot mom is a mentality that you can put yourself in. It doesn't, you know. Thank you. I used to be, I used to consider myself a thick dad. There you go. Same, same energy. Same exact energy. But yeah, we do that every Monday at nine. We're going to try to keep it up at that. Uh, and yeah, if, if anybody has any UFO experiences, they've seen anything, or even once they've heard their friends tell that they're allowed to come on and tell, I mean, you can change the names, of course, but. Um, we also do supernatural experiences too, if you want to tell a supernatural experience, but we try to focus more on the UFO ones, but yeah, we'll have you on. You can call in and tell your story and we'll talk about it. So, Hey, what's, what's your Twitter? My Twitter handle is at Heidi underscore van underscore. And that's H E I D I H E I D I underscore V A N underscore. And that is my same, same as my Instagram handle as well, which I post updates on there for the UFO show too. So, you know. You'll probably see links to that. And I also do, I do taxidermy in my spare time and art and all kinds of dumb bullshit. No, I don't know. Hold on. I want you to plug one more thing. <laughs> okay. Will you plug, what is that? Is the other Instagram called I Just Like Bugs? Yes, my, okay. So I have a bunch of tarantulas and spiders. I have an Instagram for that. And it's called I Just Like Bugs underscore okay. This is a good, this is a very quality Instagram <laughs> feed. I need to post more on it. But yeah, it's all of my babies or it's it's spiders that I see in the wild. I love them. I love those little guys. I know it's misleading to say bugs. It's mostly spiders. It's just arachnids. Yeah, I try to post updates on my guys on there. And then, of course, anytime I see stuff in the wild, like recently, I think my last one was I saw a crab spider. I can't tell you how long I've been waiting to find a crab spider in the wild. And I finally did. I was losing my shit. I'm so happy. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Thank you for telling us your paranormal and extraterrestrial experiences. Yes, of course. Thank you for just talking to me about all your dumb bullshit, and I <laughs> hope to have you back again on the show soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. High Strangeness is an unfunny production. Our theme song is To Wake Up by Crystal Coast from the album 3. All of our other sound design is also by Crystal Coast. If you have a question or you want to tell me some dumb shit, email HighStrangeCast at gmail.com. You can find me, Al Mirabella, on Twitter at at unfunny underscore official. Or you can follow our show at at HighStrangeCast. If you like the pod, consider telling a friend or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, folks, stay safe, stay stranger. Stranger.